Hello, my name is James Pikeaway, and welcome to the Creative Mornings in Dubai podcast. In this episode, we're going to be listening to a presentation by Noor Mansaria, the theme, Dare. Noor brings to this conversation a wealth of history and background in philanthropy, community service, and the entertainment industry. She's both an accomplished TV and film producer and she's been working for years on the Play for Smiles project in Africa. This is Noor's story. Thank you, James. <laughs> uh, good morning. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you all for being here this morning. And I would like to thank the people behind the event from Atoli and Creative Morning. Special thanks goes to Kat, Randa, and James. Uh, especially Kat <laughs> for bringing up with me and helping me with uh, with my talk as I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shy person <laughs> so I'm a little nervous <laughs> but we'll, we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll do it. Uh, my name is Dorim Nasriya. I'm a, I'm a producer and on the side I've been on this journey of uh, I don't like to really call it a philanthropist but yeah on this journey of, of doing different initiatives in different parts of the world and so on. And uh, when Randa called me and she told me about the theme of the month, uh, I was a little bit lost because I wasn't sure what kind of stories to choose and what to share with you guys, since my whole life was actually based on daring and I always found myself in situations where I was dared uh, to take decisions, to take actions and act upon that. So uh, after some brainstorming with Kat, we decided to uh, narrow it down to few sketches or a few stories that I'm going to share with you guys. And each story has either someone who uh, challenged me or showed me what does it really mean to be there and therefore inspire and so on. Or it was situations and circumstances where I found myself uh, being dared or daring, daring myself or daring the universe <laughs> or being dared by the culture, family, friends, co-workers and, and so on. So... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, in the early 90s, I was living in Harare, Zimbabwe with my family. And as you can see in this picture, it's my sister, Amir, uh, myself, and our nanny, Agnes. And Agnes was the first person that I encountered that uh, I learned a lot from. And uh, she triggered, like until today, I feel like Agnes is still around and she's still with me. And as of the last time I saw her was actually this morning. Uh, for me back then, Agnes was this big African woman like with big shoulders and I was tiny and I used to always look at her and feel like, oh my, oh my God, she's so big. And uh, we used to love Agnes uh, a lot. Uh, and every time I would come back from school, I would go to her room with my sister, we'll hear her stories and we'll, we'll share her food, although like the food that she cooked it was for her, but <laughs> and we'll, we'll leave out my mom's food. I remember sometimes my mom wouldn't be very happy about it, but there was this bonding that was created there and so on. And back then it was claimed that there was no more racism, but in, in reality, unfortunately, that wasn't true. And although I was very young, but I do remember the stories that Agnes used to share with us and how she was treated by white people who were living in, in Zimbabwe back then. And how, for example, one of the stories would be how they would put her in the trunk of the car uh, and not allow her to sit in the front or how she would be beaten up just for uh, breaking a plate or whatever and so on. So 
until today, Agnes is, is that kind of person that reminds me of how to still choose to be caring and loving regarding of the harsh cir circumstances and the situations that someone can be put through and, and so on. Uh, I do hope or wish that I can go look back for her one day, but uh, I don't know. If she's still around, I send her a lot of gratitude. Okay, so this is Jadda Nisriya. Jadda in, in my hometown means grandmother, and obviously this is my grandmother who passed away 11 years ago. Uh, Jadda Nisriya was and still is the most inspiring woman or person I've ever met in my life. Uh, I can never forget how selfless she was. She was always the first one to wake up, the last one to sleep. Her significant features, her face tattoos, her very big golden earrings, her giggles. I get my giggles from her. <laughs> and, and, uh, and her fruity scent is always around. And I never felt that Jeddah is gone because of, of how present her, her presence and what she used to do and what she meant uh, to us and all. Uh, however, Jeddah was, was gifted. She had this gift of being able to put together herbal remedies uh, from nature and so on. And she would look at someone's face and she would know what was wrong with them. And therefore she would put that herbal mix and give it to them. She, she never went to school. She, she just got that from, uh, it was, I don't know, <laughs> it was a receiving that she had. And when I was young, I never understood why the house was always full of people and how, and the people were very diverse and they came from all over Tunisia. Uh, and then when I grew up, I came to know that those people, they came from different parts of Tunis to actually seek for herbal remedies. Uh, she used to heal things like uh, uh, hepatitis C, or infertility, and different things just from herbal mixes and so on. And uh, what was fascinating and what was very inspiring for me that uh, Jadda never took money for that. And her exchange was, she would ask people to either give money to charity or to pray for her children and, and grandchildren. And hence, she's been a very inspiring person for me and hence I do what I do because of her today. And then we go. Okay. In 2008, I graduated from AS with a background in public relations, but I did it just because I did it. <laughs> I didn't want to be a PR. I always knew that I wanted to do something that had to do with supporting communities and helping and so on. But I wasn't sure what exactly it was like. I didn't want to work in a, in a, in a big uh, uh, charity organization or whatever, but I knew that I wanted to do something, but I wasn't sure what was it. And that's where I feel it was the first time there was this major encounter where the universe dared me <laughs> and put me into situations where uh, my, my faith or my career just shaped without me planning for it. So in, in 2008, um, as I said, I wasn't sure what to do with my career and then an opportunity just landed on my way and I was offered to produce Khawatir uh, in, in UAE. And uh, I had no experience whatsoever in production. And in the beginning, I, I just refused. And if it wasn't for my friend uh, Dunya Kamal and her believing in me and, and she, 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 she pushed me and she's like, no, you can do it. I know you can do it, just do it. And for those who don't know, Khawatir was one of the, the biggest uh, shows here in the, in the Arab world for a very long time. Uh, moving fast forward, in 2018, I was still working on the show <laughs> and I was just upgrading from like just a UAE kind of content uh, fixer and so on. Uh, by the last season, I was actually 
a co-producer on the whole season and I traveled the whole world. Uh, we went to 10 different countries or 11 different countries throughout that season. And uh, those who know the show, there was a lot of challenges uh, in the back end and, and the show was, was uh, evolved around the idea of impactful con content. And what was beautiful is that it wasn't just content that we were creating, but we were also uh, uh, doing impactful projects on the ground in different countries and so on. And for me, that was just the perfect uh, uh, mix where I was able to, to create content and create and be creative and, and, and have that creative side of me and at the same time being able to have an impact. And that's where I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be an impact producer. And that's where I took it from. I started, I continued from there. Where, where I always seek projects where there is an impact that can be done through those projects and so on. Uh, and this project was the inspiration behind the, the, the charity foundation that I started in Kenya that I'm going to be telling you about uh, shortly. So this was in 2015 in Kenya. Uh, we were filming an episode about uh, slums and Kenya back then had the second largest slum in the world. And uh, through the show, I got to meet those beautiful kids who have never seen themselves before except on the screen of my phone. And it was a set of different experiences where the other thing is they never had the chance to see someone in my skin color. And they thought it was actually just some color there and they would come <laughs> scratch my face. <laughs> and, and it was fascinating for me. And I was just, by the end of the day, I was just on the floor and I was just crying because it was a bit difficult for me to, to grasp the idea that those kids never saw themselves and how they were living in very harsh circumstances, yet they chose to be loving and, and, and they, they were just playing and, and, and giggling and, and so on. And for them, uh, I started this very long journey of healing and, and helping others to heal and providing a safe space for people to be supported and loved and to find uh, that space where they are able to forgive and for me also to be able to forgive those who uh, hurt or bullied me throughout my life because again uh, I lived in so many different countries and that was a challenge where I, I would be in different places where I was always different and kids sometimes they can be a bit a bit naughty and they just bully those who are different than them so that did have a toll on me and it was a bit difficult for me to actually be in such a setup and talk to people. <laughs> I always wanted to hide and I didn't want to show and so on. So those kids taught me a different perspective on life and, and I'm so grateful to them and for, for the journey that we encountered together. No, can you tell us what's happening in the yeah. video that can't quite sit so well online? So okay, so basically this was in 2016 after Khawatir ended and so on. I took this decision that uh, Kenya is where I want to start my, my actually uh, philanthropic journey and so on. And I went with, with a group of friends to volunteer. We visited a few homes and this was in Shadow Mountain, which is a, a home in one of the slums in Kenya called Babadogo. So uh, we went to, to, to visit the kids and it was pitch dark and they received us with a, a lot of joy. And they, as you can clearly hear them, they were singing and dancing and they made sure that they, they get us engaged and so on. Uh, and it was just so exciting and, and, and all. And then on our way out, I see a stack of uh, cabbages, uh, chop, chopped cabbages on, on the side, and they were about to get 
uh, sogged and, so, and all. So I asked them, like, why, why is the food here and why are the cabbages like this? So I was told that this is basically what's supposed to be their lunch, but they didn't have wood to, to cook. Uh, and therefore, they were about to go to sleep without having their lunch. And uh, ah, <laughs> every time I tell the story, it's like it's just the same experience again. And again, I had that moment of this is just kind of unreal where those kids were just so hyped and they were excited and singing and all. But at the same time, they were just about to go to sleep and they were hungry. And, and we managed immediately. We ordered some wood and thankfully that they slept that night with, with, uh, with their bellies full. But still, like those kids had such experiences all of the time where they just just go uh, sleeping and they're, they're they're just hungry. And this experience is was kind of another journey or a place where there was a lot of rethinking in terms of what do I want to do in my life and what do I want to serve and how do I want to set, set things moving forward. And that's where I w it was a confirmed uh, place for me where. No, I want to be someone who's, who's of service. I've been uh, grateful and, and uh, granted with a lot of uh, blessings and opportunities to be able to help, even if it's through an Instagram post or through media, again, like choosing to, to do projects where they highlight such uh, communities and vulnerable stories and exciting stories where, again, like you, you live life from a very different perspective. Uh, and no matter how much you see on TV and you hear from organizations that support and stuff, when you go, go and live that experience, it's a totally different story. And again, you're always there in situations where there is an issue in front of you and you don't know how to resolve it. And then you just believe in that calling or what that, that message that you're going to receive and that's going to guide you to what's the solution. And that has always been the situation where I'm, I'm, I'm landed with, with, a, with a difficult situation. I just sit with myself. And then the answer just comes in and I act upon it. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, those are still the same kids. And uh, uh, if there is anything that I also learned and I would always like to share is uh, in this time and like this, this age and time and the way that we are living, we are so concerned about uh, our uh, savings, how are we going to make it to the end of the month, uh, where am I going to get money from, and like we're planning all of the time and we're trying to calculate things and it's like life for us is just an equation. And if there's anything that I learned from those kids that it's the other contrary, like life is not an equation and it's not one plus one equals two. Uh, you can plan all the planning that you want to do, but then there's always this divine intervention that comes and, and serves things differently. Uh, and being a freelancer and a producer, there was always a toll, like when it comes to financial security on a personal level and so on. And again, like I'm just an individual trying with a bunch of volunteers to do things and so on. But then, if anything that I learned from those kids is to always set an intention, uh, act upon it, and then just just go. And money always usually just flows without without even thinking about it and stuff. And even like during the, the midst time of COVID, I was so concerned in the beginning of how are we going to be able to provide those kids. And funny enough, 2020 is, was the year where, where the project in Kenya flourished and, and we didn't have any, any issues with the kids. And that just keeps triggering me and reminding me of, yes, a lot of businesses 
lost, people lost their jobs, lost a lot of things. But then again, there's this always divine intervention that takes place if we, if we know how to tap into it and, and manifest it and, and work on it and so on. Uh, in a nutshell, today there's a, a, an official structure that works in, in Kenya. Again, it's called Nisriya on, on behalf of uh, my grandmother and honoring her legacy. And uh, Nisriya today takes care of around 120 uh, vulnerable children in different children's homes. 50% uh, of them are actually HIV positive. And uh, they come from different backgrounds. Some were abandoned, some were orphaned, some were uh, rescued from uh, parental abuse, sex abuse, sex trafficking, and, and so on. Uh, we also support vulnerable women who found themselves, like who were the result of this. They, they found themselves working in, in very hard situations and uh, bringing other children. And like, it's, it's a full on cycle. Uh, those kids, uh, 60 of them are sent to private uh, schools, some of them actually. We have uh, Julia who's graduating next March from university. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that's like, I tried to, to like give you different stories from, from my, my journey. And uh, uh, yeah, it was a very daring journey. It still is. And uh, it's been fun. Like it, it's nice when you take daring as as a fun adventure and you start playing with it. At a certain point, actually, it becomes an addiction where you want more daring opportunities because it actually triggers you and gets you growing and experiencing different things and and so on. And I'm so grateful to the to to the idea that I decided not to have a full time job and have a conventional like way of life where I'm just in a very comfort comfortable. Uh, set up and, and so on, and I decided to get out of that and just take take whatever is is coming my way, and uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I know Khawatan has had a huge impact on the world. We all loved him. I think everyone has at some point watched it either with their parents or whatnot. Um, and obviously, like. Um, Working for good is always so uh, rewarding. But the question I have is, do you actually see the ripple effect? Is there really a ripple effect? I know that you just said one of your uh, the girls are graduating and so on, but is this really helping the younger ones? Is, there, is it creating any sort of awareness? Is our doing good actually doing good on Blanca? Uh, of course it, it does. <laughs> well, <laughs> if it wasn't for the good people that I met in my life, starting from Agnes, I would have not. I would have not continued. Uh, even though, like that path is is very challenging, and at certain times it gets very dark. And the stories that you receive, uh, yeah, hearing about uh, a young a young girl who's being raped by her father or or family member or whatever it is. Uh, or yeah, you look at a child who's two, who's HIV positive and abandoned by his parents just because. Oh, I was raise Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just because he or she is HIV positive. But where did that child get that disease from? Like it. it so it's I, causing change with these children that's going forward. Yeah, of course. And then those kids who are helped, like the, the most people that I've experienced who are who are compassionate and would want to go back and support their communities are those kids. So yeah, so yeah. that's my 
question. Yeah. You have to see the good yeah. moving forward. Yeah, because when even when you ask them what do you want to do when you grow up, it's always a job or 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 a career that serves back kids that are from their communities, and they are very happy to go back and work in the same children's homes. And when you go around, you see a lot of people who are taking care of children's homes are kids who are a result of being abandoned and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, my question is, okay, so you talk about you know, having role models that kind of help you uh, figure yeah. out that, or yeah. you have role models who would like, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> no problem, take your foot. <laughs> um, but um, my question is, beyond role models, do you think other factors in your life helped you, like, I guess, be with a daring? I guess attitude. Yeah. Um, and second of all, is it, yeah, like, do you have a support system that like helped you? Like, what was the tipping point for you that said, um, "I'm going to do this, um, no questions asked"? Like, was it emotional or rational? Like, what was the thought process? <laughs> it's a mix of of all. Uh, in many situations, actually, it was a reaction of someone who actually did not believe in what I was doing. Again, being. Uh, a girl, Arab, single, <laughs> from this region, you're always asked, but you're a girl, how can you travel on your own? And how can you go to such places? And how can you take such adventures or such, such jobs and so on? And that always also was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to show you that I can do it. So it was always an ignite to, to, to move forward. And I'm always grateful to my friends, my family, and people who have believed in what I've been doing from, from day one. Thank you. Do we have more questions? Yeah. I have one, but I'll wait until after. No, I'm going to go on variety. It's good. Here you go. So I'm curious about what kind of programs do you have for these kids? Um, yeah, so like, is it general education? What, like, is there group therapy? Like so it's it's kind of a 360 kind of programs where there's education, healthcare, well-being, nutrition, uh, and then I also try to help with the idea of having permanent homes for those places for those kids. Sorry, and of course the rehab is very important. Uh, even for example, one of the homes it's called Loving Hands, and the lady who's taking care of that place is called Mama Jane, most fascinating person you'll ever meet in your life. Mama Jane is is this beautiful woman who's in her. Uh, she, I think she just turned 66 and she decided to start master's uh, in psychology. She just finished her bachelor actually degree a couple of months ago and she signed up for her master's and that's how she's helping the kids uh, through their emotions and, and because there is a lot of emotional baggage that comes with those kids and a lot of their uh, physical illness is because of those traumatized experiences they went through and so on. So yeah, it's kind of 360 kind of care. Do you have a volunteer program? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got some comments coming in from the chat. Um, before I say anything, can you tell us what your name means? What does Noor mean? <laughs> okay, so my actual name is Jihad. That's what. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which is which is <laughs> which is surprise, which is which means daring and fighting and, and moving forward. <laughs> but then, at a certain point of my life, I I I found myself like it was too much. I was overwhelmed with the idea of uh, challenging myself and being struggled struggling and so on. And that's where I decided I want to change my name uh, and. After a lot of like back and forth, Noor was the name that 
I came through, which means light in Arabic, and that's where like I I wanted to be a light for myself before being there for others. So jihad no so fighting light. <laughs> 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 we have a comment here from Vina Purba who says she is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. She is the light to everyone, just like Aww. her. Aww. Definitely <laughs> more people like her. Thank you, Vina. <laughs> <laughs> Vina is a friend I met in Bali actually last year when I was filming. Thank you, Vina. Sorry, Indonesia, not Bali. Sorry. Randa says we still call her Gigi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the kids call me Gigi. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before I go to the questions, um, I just need to tell you a little bit about my first meeting with you. Um, we were supposed to meet online, and I dropped. We were dropping messages, and I said, "Let's meet." And she didn't contact me back for several days. And then when she did, she said, um, "Oh, I just got an idea in my head, and I went to Kenya." <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just, you know, got on a plane and went to Kenya. And I just, and I, that, that sums you up. And I had the honor of listening to your story. And thank much, you. And, um, and so thank you so much for thank that. Thank you. I'd like to go back in time uh, with you. you. You talked about growing up and the difficulties of moving around and getting bullied and isolated from this. And this was created, must have created a really terrible yep. feeling for you. And you saw things happening to Agnes, the racism to other people around you. And you saw them dealing with it. What were some of the things you did as a teenager to start coming out of the pain and into into the light? Okay. Uh, it was simply small acts of kindness. That's how it started for me, where uh, I would... I would see how security guards, for example, around me after even a long day and being challenged and being there in the heat and, and someone would be screaming at them and stuff. Uh, they would still receive you with a smile and they'll still be nicer to you and serve you and so on. And, and I used to always question like, but you're, you're going through a very difficult time. You shouldn't be nice. Like, why, why are you being nice and so on? And that's where I was triggered. And I started creating like small goodie bags during Ramadan or Eid or whatever and going around and giving it to security guards, putting it on the doors of the neighbors and, and so on. And that's how it started actually, the journey from there. Tell us about the flea market, Noel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you tell stories to me, I don't forget. <laughs> so uh, in 2011, after graduating and so on, again, I wanted to, to do things that had to do with impact and so on. I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, and then one day a friend of mine calls me up, her, uh, my friend Luz, she calls me up and she goes like, uh, how about we participate in the next uh, flea market? And, uh, and back then it was uh, the revolutions that were going on in the Arab world. And we had a lot of friends from Libya who were affected directly and their families were affected. So she was like, let's do a flea market and whatever comes goes to them so they can support their families and bring medicine and so on. And the from the first flea market, we made like seven or 8,000 dirhams. And it was just, just from selling other people's junk, basically. And I was just inspired from there. And we continued for like around four or five years. We were doing uh, this on almost on a monthly basis where we picked different causes, different initiatives, different things through the Red, uh, Red Crescent here in UAE. Whatever funds used to come through, it goes to them. And, and that's how uh, the journey uh, was. Fantastic. We have a question from Randa. What are you focused on at the moment with the kids? What's What are the current projects with them these days? Uh, so 
Part of the Loving Hands uh, program is, is tracing, where we trace kids who, who are received and we try to figure out where, where are they coming from, or were they lost, uh, were they abandoned by parents, and we, we follow that journey. Uh, actually, and a, a, a girl was, was connected with her mother uh, this, this, this summer, but then she decided that she doesn't want to go back to her mother because her mother abandoned her. And that's, that's not easy to go through and mm. so on. Uh, uh, so, so we're trying to focus more on that and, and put more effort on that because a lot of kids actually, they, they end up being from different countries or different places. So for you to trace and track where did that child come from, especially if that child is like, was received after trafficking or whatever, it's not very easy. Uh, so that's a, that's the main project or program that we're trying to focus more on and trying to set up like a better custody for that. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, she has a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because you brought up a few like, tough situations, I'm just wondering how do you stay positive when you're all these stories? <laughs> 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 like, how do you take care of them? Yeah, we, we all want a cup of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to again be very grateful to my friends and the support system that they 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 give so in many times a lot of my friends just after a trip they'd call me up and they they'd go like <laughs> pour your heart out <laughs> or uh, a friend of mine he's a he's a psycho a psychotherapist he would also just come and give me like a session of hypnotherapy or whatever and so on but then the most or the most important element is it's the kids themselves when I see how challenging their situations are and they're still able to wake up every morning and decide to uh, live through life and be happy and, and they're, they're okay with their circumstances. I'm always reminded to be inspired by that and, and act upon that. Do, do, do you think it's a little bit when you look at the kids, yeah. it's a little bit of they're living for the day. They wake up and hey, I'm awake yes. and <laughs> let's it's do it. sunny and let's do it. And <laughs> yeah. the past, yeah, we'll sort that out in the future. Who knows? But Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what the, where I was talking about, the idea of planning. Those kids, they decide every day to just live the day by and see how, where it goes and so on. The work you're doing is difficult. And thanks for that question. That was really good about how you stay positive about the kids, the situations they're in. But, um, and it, it sounds like you get a lot of support, but are there any challenges from people, institutions around you in doing this? Uh, Surprising things that, that, that you weren't expecting? Well, <laughs> we come from a very judging culture, unfortunately, and this idea of uh, being asked all of the time, but why those kids? Why not kids in Syria, Jordan, Palestine, whatever? Uh, why kids who are not, for example, from my Muslim friends, why are like those, like they, I'm asked about the religion of those kids and if they want to give based on their religion or not. Uh, and again, going back to the idea of traveling and going there, being a woman and single and all the ideas of, but you, you shouldn't do that, someone else should do that and so on. So these are some of the, like, the challenges that people always put. Uh, uh, and then again, with, with the given situations now, like it's not as easy as it used to be before to actually set up a foundation, raise funds, and, and, and do all that kind of uh, stuff. So it, it, is, it is challenging. I've got a question here from Aldrin, our musician for the morning. For any moment of dare that you experienced, was there a moment that moved you to conquer a hurdle? 
What was the feeling, emotions of sport? What jumps to mind with that question? Uh, all of the moments I shared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a comment here from Kings. I'm Kings from Kenya. Hi, Kings. Oh, good morning. He's an awesome human being. <laughs> all right, Kings said, Noor is such a great transformational leader. Oh. We work with her in Gilgil. Yes. Is that correct? Kenya last year with the children's home there. Keep it going. Thank you, Kings. <laughs> Just going through the, the questions. How could we support the studio? Yeah, how can we support the studio? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, maybe at, at the stages, uh, there's... Like, like there is no online uh, presence for the, for the organization. There is no, for example, newsletters that go to people all, all, all every month and that kind of back end work that a lot of people uh, are not aware of. Like again, as you said, it's the same as Creative Mornings. There is you need you need a team to to help you with with things like that. So I have all of the support in Kenya and I have the team and so on. But here in Dubai, I am pretty much. So I'm always looking for people that can support the back end of things. Did you hear that at home? There we go. NASA. NASA Aoyami. Ah yes, that's my psychotherapist friend who helps me every time I come back. <laughs> NASA says, I am blessed to be Aww. in orbit of this bright sun. It has been a privilege and honor since day one. You're making me cry. <laughs> NASA actually joined me to one of the trips to Kenya and he was doing laughter yoga for the kids and a lot of uh, hypnotherapy and kind of uh, work for them. Speaking of, well, thanks, NASA's numbers in the chat, people. Uh, speaking of laughter yoga. Yes. You do laughter yoga as well. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I haven't done it in some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so laughter yoga is is naturally just sit there and you start laughing and <laughs> and just the, just the idea of laughing makes you make yeah. makes you laugh and actually it was one of the tools that helped me and still helps me a lot with uh, dealing with situations and so on because uh, when you laugh you you create your body creates happy hormones and, and they make you feel better and so on. Can you do a two-minute exercise with us? Yes. Show us <laughs> so there are three kinds of laughter. There's ha-ha, ho-ho, hee-hee. <laughs> and they come, from, they come from different parts of the belly. So when you actually do them for, for a lot of time, like different organs are affected by that. So we'll start with the ha-ha. I'll just start laughing and, and you, you'll automatically just laugh. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you actually sweat and you build muscles, and but it's it's amazing. Like whenever I'm, I'm, I'm I just don't know what to do. I just I just get in the car and I blast it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I think that's all the questions and comments, Juju. George and the infectious love. Oh, thank you for daring us. Thank oh, you. Is there anything else you'd like to dare us with? Uh, just yeah, I have. I hope that this this conversation had the trigger, in a way or the other, and would trigger you to dare yourself in something that you haven't decided to take for a long time, and just take the opportunity to just step out of your comfort zone and, and do it. Yes. Yeah, sure. So how has pandemic impacted your initiative? Uh, as I said earlier, on on the contrary, like the only the only downside was uh, before before the, the the COVID, I would travel to Kenya four or five times a year. Uh, last year, I only managed to go once because I was filming there, and I didn't really get the chance to see the kids. And then second time was two weeks ago. So that was the, the main challenge of me waking up and deciding that okay, I want to go to Kenya tonight. <laughs> but other than that, I'm I'm very grateful. Yeah, of course, the kids being home for some time and not going to school. But then again, because they are a group, they stay together. So that balances a bit out. And we managed to get them teachers who teach them within the home and all. But gratefully, like the kids weren't affected even health-wise and so on. So I'm very grateful for that. On the contrary, actually, it pushed us to start uh, growing vegetables and, and growing our own food and not relying on, on uh, outsourced food and so on. So that was, that was actually a positive thing. Thank That's you. Wonderful. Yeah. Do, do we have anything more here on on site? And I got to say, it's it's great to see so many faces. Yes. Um, how do you do want you this? Sorry. How do you finance your operations? Uh, so uh, I'm very grateful for my friends. It's been it's been purely friends and personal uh, kind of uh, support that has been going on for the last uh, five years, especially for the Kenya project. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So I miss the connection between the filming and the. The, the work. Yeah. Do you end up filming a lot of, like, do they become subjects of your film? Uh, not always, but yeah, sometimes, like, for example, yeah, I was part of a show last year where the kids were highlighted and, and so on, but my production is my, my everyday job. Okay. And through production, I always try to pick projects that highlight different uh, uh, topics and stuff, not, not specifically those kids. They can be anywhere and any part of the world. It doesn't have to be those kids. So your, your day job helps to finance some of this and, yeah. and keep you getting there and yeah. things. I think it's like everyone, we've all got, we've all got these things that we're doing and it's, it's, I, I think if you've left me with anything, it's that every little bit counts. Exactly. And for sure. what might seem really little to me yeah. is going to be a big thing sure. to other people and sure. go with it. And it's addictive and it's going to lead to bigger yes. things. And if you don't know what you want to do, there's Noor's got all sorts of things she could use help with. And we're all good at something. I think yes. that's the other thing that you're, sure. you've just showed me again is that we've all got something that we can knock out and we can do and, and we're great at that we think is insignificant, but, you know, helping you with a newsletter. True. I might be great at newslettering. Yep. And I can help you with that, right? Thank you. So, so did I just volunteer to do that? You did. So, okay, so, we're, <laughs> so Nada and Swati are going to be getting involved too. Uh, no, so this is this is yeah. So all creative mornings. We'll just yeah, like even when someone approaches me and goes like, "How can I volunteer or how can I support?" I always ask, "What do you do best?" And that's what you can share with others because 
there's nothing better you can share with more than what you are passionate about the most. There we go. Yeah. We'll talk after. <laughs> Just a couple more coming in. Kieran says, I've lost track of the ha-ha-ha approach. Watching no laugh has made me belly laugh. Vina says, yay, that's my girl. Can you feel the energy, guys? NASA says, I've watched you care for children and hug them and play with them. I'm grateful you took me with you for the ride. Why did you choose to build playgrounds? Okay, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> so, uh, in the encounter of being like having the, the local initiative that was here and the idea of what's the next step and so on. I wasn't sure what is it that I wanted to do. I knew it was children related, but I wasn't really sure what was it. And I remember I was with uh, uh, some friends in Egypt and Aswan uh, giving out toys. And uh, one of the kids approached us and asked for a trampoline. And he's like, we don't have any playgrounds here in, in, in Aswan. And when people bring us like jumping castles or trampolines or whatever, they just keep them for the day and then they take them back. And that was the Ignite where the project actually started with setting up playgrounds for vulnerable communities and, and children's homes because I realized that play is, is, a, is an essential right for kids and it's always uh, belittled. People go like, no, but they need food, they need, I don't know what, but play is essential because it helps them heal and grow and expand their, their, their mind and, and release a lot of things and so on. So that's how the project actually started. It started by, we've set up around nine playgrounds in different places. Uh, and now, instead of the playgrounds, I, the kids are taken out to experience and explore with different activities every time I'm able to do, to do that. And, and it's always something that they've never experienced. So the last time I took them out was December 2019, and I took them to the cinema. And just watching them be in the cinema for the first time was, was spectacular. And, being in, a, in an elevator for the first time and so on, so it was it was so beautiful. And so the, the element of play is is one of the programs actually. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, um, I'm an architect, super interested in play and children. So if you ever need anything, I'd love to. Okay, yay! yay. <laughs> so you need to talk after, figure it out. Yes. Oh man. Thank you so much, everyone. It was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to the Creative Mornings in Dubai podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time. If you want to find out more about Creative Mornings, Google Creative Mornings, all one word, and Dubai. We look forward to seeing you in person. Again, thanks for listening. Share the link. So long for now. <laughs>